0: What radio, the music you want. Know. With your host, G Dan. I'm bigger than you, I'm hiring the food chain. RadioWhat.com. What's up party people, it's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What studios, and this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time, and if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com one more time djlittlerock.com check availability and get a free price quote and maybe you could have me at your next event you know i like to party with the people the people need to be entertained are you not entertained let me entertain you (laughs) speaking of entertainment today on the program i got big d from pigweed who's big d from pigweed what are you asking such silly questions for You got to know. And if you don't know by now, you're going to know in the next few minutes. So stick around for Big D. From Pigweed This week's shows I have one public show As we round off the week As we break out of COVID One public show on Friday nights My regular Friday night gig At the Rab in Conway, Arkansas Video dance party Karaoke jam The place to be On a Friday night Is at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas Video dance party Karaoke jam Yeah, I said karaoke You're the stars of the show We got the stage It's a little concert Starring each and every one of you So you could be One of the stars of the show. They got a full bar, kitchens open, pool tables, pool tournament on Friday nights. So if you want to try to make some money playing pool, I encourage you to check out the Rab. Man, they had a a break and run. One game of pool where you run the whole table. They had it up to $2,000 on one game of pool. What? What? You could make two grand? That's a nice payday. Playing pool? Yeah. Yeah. Do it at the Rab. Uh, and then uh, while you're waiting to sing a song right next to me on stage, you get to sing pretty much whatever you want. We're all adults there, kind of. Some of them, maybe not. <laughs> I have a lot of fun on Friday nights at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas, from 8 p.m. until 1230 in the Am. And then Saturdays, Saturdays are made for private events. So if you need entertainment for your wedding or your party or your birthday, maybe even a little five-year-old birthday party, so sweet, sweet 16s, bar mitzvahs, I haven't done a bar mitzvah since I was, oh, for a while, for a while now. Huh. All right. (laughs) Yeah, that that you can go to djlittlerock.com Alright, that's enough intro Let's get into it with Big D from Pigweed Skyping Big D from Pigweed Now There he is. What's up, man? Big What's going D on, of Pig Weed. Where, where do we find you on location at this point?
1: The best place to really find us is our webpage right now. Um, we just um, reconstructed it and everything, so everything's updated. Um, new pictures are coming. And everything's pretty much just going to the webpage right now. Man, so you can I'm... find us on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Uh, Instagram all those you know places like that as well
0: well I dig the promotion but I'm talking about where do you find yourself at this physically at this moment in time (laughs) right now Big D where you at uh, I'm actually chilling in my backyard. I like it, man. Um, it seems very uh, very uh, tropical, subtropical. I'm from Miami, so uh, I miss the, the, uh, the, the heat and the weather uh, down there. But, you know, Arkansas is pretty close. It's, it's uh, close to where you are. But where, where do uh, where does Pigweed and Big D reside? What city? We are out of San Antonio, Texas. Very cool. Well, let me test that theory. The stars at night are big and bright.
1: Deep in the heart of Texas. He's a Texas
0: (laughs) man. He is actually in the Texas Uh, area. That's fantastic. San Antonio, man. I can dig it. Well, I mean, tell the people who you are. Give the people an idea of who
1: Big D of Pigweed is. Well, um, I came into the band probably about nine years ago and um, pretty much I kind of just started out helping the guys do some Latin percussion stuff and um, a couple of the members in the band kind of knew my background a little bit and I just came off a little break. Um, I was in a recent band that had done a lot of uh, you know, some touring, some, a lot of national acts we'd opened up for and stuff. So, um, But at that point, I was just kind of chilling in the background, man, just kind of enjoying being a musician again. Um, because at some point, I felt that I had kind of lost myself um, getting caught up in, a, you know, all the stuff that goes on. <laughs> and
0: um, well, elaborate. So, the people want to know, man. I mean, if you care to elaborate.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it was just, you know, as far as I, as far as I go, you know, I've been uh, in the music scene for about thirty-five years. I've been managing my own bands since I was like twelve. What? So, yeah. <laughs> so, what kind when of band came, were you uh, in
0: at twelve years old?
1: Well, you know, of course, I got with some friends in middle school, you know, and. Next thing you know, I wanted to play clubs and they were kind of like, we're not even old enough to do that. And I was like, who cares? So I literally had my dad drive me to, I remember him driving me to a club called X's on Fredericksburg here in San Antonio. And I just turned 13, 14, something like that. And um, I just knocked on the door and the dude looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) And he shut the door on me. And so I came back the next day and I knocked, same time. He opened the door and probably about a good two weeks after doing that, he realized I wasn't going away. And he was like, man, fuck it, let these guys play, man. This dude won't leave me alone. <laughs> well, Big D, what
0: uh, kind of music were you playing I, back then at 12 years old? Did, did you find yourself to be a good musician
1: at 12 already? Well, Had you been trained? Originally I had started playing drums when I was about nine ten years old so we were doing stuff like Metallica covers and stuff like that but by that time we had we had written all our own material and uh, it was kind of like a mixture of you know punk punk rock and you know Metallica pretty much and we just were young we were just having fun with it and but I had a lot of friends that were older than me that were playing shows.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, man, I want to do that. You know, I, I, I like playing in the garage, but I want to do something bigger. And I was already thinking like that when I was like 14, like, I want to go bigger and I'd get a bigger show. And, you know, it was like, no, this is cool, but I want to go bigger. <laughs> and um, so I weaseled my way through the music industry, you know, I played in a couple bands. Um, I winded up actually joining one of the best bands here in town in 93, 94, I believe it was. Who that? And it was a band called Judgmental. Okay. And they yeah. were already
0: established by the time you got in there? And you were playing drums for them, I guess?
1: Yes. I came in on drums and um, totally different style of metal. I was into more of a groove metal at the time and um but they were a little bit on the speed metal side i guess you can say and um but i wanted it so um i they gave me 14 i think it was 14 16 songs and had some big shows coming up and they said hey here's here's our set list 14 songs 16 songs whatever um learn as much as you can in seven days and you know you your audition so like i said i've always wanted to you know reach for the stars so i came home and uh locked myself in the master bedroom for seven days straight from seven in the morning till 10 o'clock at night
0: so uh, original original songs or, or judgmental yeah. was had their own they songs had, are, they had all, of, all original so you had to learn 14 15 songs uh, as a little kid and you, you made yeah. yourself do it, man. That's a, uh, that's discipline. That takes a lot. Yeah. Cause I remember I was 14, 15. I wasn't, you know, I was playing records in my room and I was playing at house parties here and there, but I never had that right. discipline to where I would learn somebody else's music because I wanted to get out on the road and, and, uh, and be a rock star, man. So you had that yeah. dream from an early age. Who, who gave you yeah. that dream? Was mom and dad into music at all? Or, or what were um, they pushing you into no, it? No, nope
1: nobody in my family it was just you know i was born with a disability and so my parents always just really backed me up on what i wanted to do and just to show me that someone was there and i went through a bunch of shit as a kid and what um, kind of disability that that you could um well i was born um without my right ear huh and As um, I got older, they realized that it was more of a, uh, I had, I can't remember the term, but pretty much the bone in my jaw on the right side wasn't growing. So I went through all kinds of major plastic surgery. I mean, I didn't have friends until I was like almost seven. (laughs) I mean, it was ridiculous. And um, so I went through my trial and error, trust me, and my parents just always backed me, and I think that was the one thing that always made me have that drive was that everybody always kind of pushed me aside because they were like, oh, well, this guy has a disability. You know, he's not the same. Well, and I was like, no, fuck that. I'm better than you. It, it was It
0: was not just that you didn't have an ear. You didn't have any hearing on that side as well. There was no right. eardrum or anything built in there that they could, right. you know, drill a hole and, and maybe let you hear in that thing. No, just completely.
1: Right. And I, i actually didn't even finish the um surgeries or anything Mm. um i still have it um but you know i that's the least of my concerns you know i i have five beautiful kids i've (laughs) always been with you know beautiful women when i when i'm with one (laughs) and um you know so that was the last of my concerns. but that's kind of really what made me be the way i am like you know, everybody just kind of not having the patience with, you know, kids with disabilities and stuff, and they just kind of push us to the side, and some of us get abused, and, um, you know, that's going to come into our conversation a little bit later, but, um, so anyways, um, my parents always just backed me up, and when they saw that I wanted to do this, and they asked me why, you know, they're like, Dave, you're so young, and I said, I want to get to to the to the next level, like, these guys are already in their 20s <laughs> and um i was still under 18 i think i was like 16 17 by the time i joined judgmental and but i was determined so got in the band i was with those guys for about five years mm-hmm. i did some amazing stuff um did some ticket master showcase got to you know open up for anthrax a couple of times all kinds of crazy stuff so Um, I really um, love those guys, miss those guys, and still give them much respect. So, But um, time was moving on, and um, at the time, I was hearing something in my head that at the time nobody was doing um, except a couple bands, and it was more of that um, metal rap kind of thing. This was back in, oh, wow, 96. What do they, like they
0: classify that as? Is, is that the new metal, or is that what you just called the groove metal? Because uh, the the people well, back can probably... then it was called rap metal, but okay. like now they
1: call it new metal. Okay, because
0: the people can figure out what speed metal is. It just it's metal faster. You know, as fast as you possibly yeah. <laughs> humanly can. And the drummer, man, I can yeah. imagine you as a drummer back there. You have to set the pace. So you have to be the metronome oh, yeah. for these folks, man. I'm, I'm sure it's a, it takes a lot on your body.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I did that for a long time. I was on drums, you know, doing my thing. And um, then um, I just kind of got tired of hearing stuff I didn't want to hear or play anymore. Mm-hmm. So I started writing, and I had a friend of mine that did a little bit of rap stuff on the side. I pulled him in, and we winded up making a band called Billy Okay, who's that um, friend? Give credit what credit is due. Yeah, Billy Mac um, really rose this, the standards for me and, and all the musicians that were in that band. Um, it was me, Trey Davis, Ian Train, and Mike Jones were the original Billy Mac, um, and we started out, our first show was a national, and we winded up Opening up for Cold Chamber, Power Man 5000, Snot Clutch, Suicidal, Limp Biscuit on their first tour, Deftones, wow. I mean, the list went on and on and on. And um, I remember right as we got together and we started playing shows, this friend of mine named Guido came running up to me one day and we were setting up. And he says, hey, Dave, when you got to check out this band, dude, they're fucking badass. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, check this out and it was Limp Bizkit's first single their first song they ever came out with which i believe was either faith or counterfeit i think it was counterfeit and when i saw that i was just like holy shit
0: okay and they that, were doing the that, mixing the rap you know, with the metal
1: uh, yeah, together yeah it was like that's what i'm talking about like it was like it was two things like look guys this is what i'm talking about and then the other thing was like fuck they beat me to it <laughs> you know it was like oh but we were doing very well and uh, we had a CD release party and we had to do it two nights in a row and and sold out the best venue here in San Antonio both nights um, so we were doing fairly well and but we were young and um <laughs> and uh some of us let it get to our heads and um, so we just wind it up kind of Falling apart, you know, right after I believe war tour. Um,
0: well, I'm guessing you're in your 20s, maybe your early 20s. You're still made of rubber. You could do pretty much whatever you want. <laughs> you're like Superman. You know, Wolverine <laughs> powers. I know in yes. my 20s, I did a lot of crazy stuff, man. Nothing, nothing yeah. that I would uh, determine as as maybe highly illegal, but certainly, uh, you know, there was lots of stuff that that went on back then, and and the things that go on when you're a rock star, man, you get led. You know, people just start giving you things and you, you, yeah. you already said you had beautiful women coming at you. That's that's a, a part of it. Uh, but uh you know then then other substances start heading your way as well that's just the uh, the rock scene man rock rock uh was it sex drugs and rock and roll that's been the the same for years and years and years and is that what you yeah. you experienced
1: big d yeah pretty much man it was just getting crazy um the shows were getting crazier the crowds were getting crazier and uh our attitudes were getting crazier. Um, <laughs> We just started buttonheads heads a lot. It was like, you know, the way someone brushed their teeth, you know, it was just stupid shit. And... <laughs>
0: Well, that, that could be problematic, uh, man. When people start telling you how great you are, you start to believe it, man. <laughs> I, I, oh, you're great. You're wonderful, man. I love you. I I love what you're doing, you know, and you start believing it. And yeah. your ego yeah. starts uh, starts getting out of control sometimes. And I hate that yeah. it it, it uh, breaks up bands because the whole reason that you, you're getting told you're great is because you're with these folks, with these fine right. members of this band. And that's how you become great is collaborating yeah. with others. And uh, Big D, you know, continue.
1: Yeah, so, you know, yeah, I got crazy, and, you know, we winded up splitting up, and then we got back together Uh, a couple years later. We did a tour run, and that's the point where we just realized we just – we loved each other as brothers and we'd been through a lot, but we just couldn't work together anymore. You know,
0: what was the name of that Um, band? That was after judgmental. What was the name of that?
1: Yeah. That that band was called Billy Mac,
0: Billy Mac. Okay. And that was your friend, Billy, that guy got you, but you, you were doing some kind of some, some of the rap metal in that as well.
1: Yeah. It was, um, it was a mixture of rapping and metal kind of, we were just kind of trying to find that new thing. Like, it wasn't the new thing, but it was what we were feeling. You who's, know? The, who's the rapper in that group? We were heading into that rap genre, cold chamber genre kind of Is that stuff. is and, that you?
0: You can do the rap? Oh,
1: yeah. Ah. <laughs> is that something?
0: Were you influenced by any of the, the rappers of the 80s and 90s on that one, or is that something you just discovered you could do?
1: No. I actually, I grew up to a lot of that. I listened to pretty much everything. I mean, <laughs> my guys have laughed at me because I've pulled up jamming Pink, you know. Um, I listen to R&B, I listen to hip-hop, I'd go all the way back to um, <laughs> what's that old song? It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right. Yeah, well, there's rock
0: bass, and then the, uh, yeah. the original yeah. was uh- so yeah there was uh, there was another song before that it takes two to make a thing go right That's and then right. Rob Bass there took the go. hook and made it uh it takes two to make a thing go right but uh, yeah yeah man, you know example who who was buying you these records because uh you know you have
1: to give somebody I was actually I was you know since I was alone a lot I I to say it but you know, like I said, a lot of people didn't want to hang around me because they didn't want to be seen with me or whatever it was because of my disability. So I spent a lot of time um, just, I would go to the mall and I hate to say it, but I'd steal them. I'd steal the albums. I'd steal the tapes, whatever. Um, come home and just jam out in my room for hours on end. Whether it was rap, you know, r and B. I I was even in a little R&B group when I was like, oh, wow. I think i was like 11 oh i would have liked
0: to have seen a little a little big d a little david maybe with like a bouffant hair hairdo uh, the hair piled high way too big you know with uh, all your buddies yeah. with with suits on uh, this is what i'm imagining like stylistics like uh oh, like no. boys to men you know that kind of that kind of group yeah were you grooving like
1: that yeah i was trying trust me i was trying so well that's how you get your chops
0: man that's how you get your singing uh chops uh done. Yeah. It's not not all guttural or, 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 or. no you start yeah, out with yeah, that exactly. nice smooth sound did you have any uh formal singing training or or was this something you just did in your room
1: no i just started doing it in my room because i was always just in my room by myself and then as i got older i had a best friend named michelle and she used to love when i sang and um <laughs> she would literally call a friend on three-way who had three-way and they'd call another friend and like next thing you know there's like 12 girls on the phone
0: yes and what year was this see? man I'd I like to know what turning points are what year was this approximately
1: <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this oh wow Um, <laughs> what year was this this was let's see 87
0: 87 I'm class 86. of 86 so I, I you know I graduated in 86 so I know 87
1: man <laughs> yeah See, i'm, I'm forty five right now so fifty two we're cool. Uh, yeah, so but no man, you know I've been through it all musically and I was just at that point in Billy Mac where I was starting to um, pay attention to the industry a lot more.
0: No, no, no! You got to go back to this phone call, man. Tell me about those twelve girls. Uh, what was the what was the result after that? You had Michelle, which was kind of a friend of yours. I don't know if you were cool like that, but uh, you know, out of those other eleven girls, man, uh, that, that uh, you end up having, uh, you know, just a little rom- romance because the um. because your smooth voice.
1: Um, you know, there was three or four that, you know, we were friends and, um, so, you know, it is what it is, but, um, yeah, you know, it was a, a learning, you know, like I tell everybody, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, whether you make the wrong choice or the right choice, as long as you know that every move you make is a learning experience. And that's all that matters, and you just so discovered
0: the magic of music as well, man. That, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, somebody singing, well,
1: and, and, and that's just, where I was kind of like, "Hey, yeah. these girls like this shit." <laughs> you know, there's there's females involved in this. You know, it's kind of like. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, what else does a heterosexual
0: male get into anything for? It's to impress girls, yeah. man. Yeah, you, you know, whatever job you're doing. I'm a bricklayer, but I'm the best bricklayer because the ladies love, you know, the way I lay bricks. You know that, whatever, man. <laughs> whatever job you're doing, it's it, it. You know, if you're a heterosexual man, it, it's probably to impress girls. And uh, what better way to do it than to become a rock star, Big D, man? You're yeah. you're on the right path yeah uh, from from an early age, from nine years old, you're already heading the right direction. Twelve, you pick up some drums. Two. Who got you those drums anyway?
1: Actually, my mom and dad got them for me because right around that age, like I said, a lot of people didn't want to hang out with me because of my disability and stuff. So I was start at that point, I was starting to rebel, but not towards my parents, right just in general at, at the world. And so my mom and me were somewhere, and she was like, Hey, look at this little white drum set. I think it was like 150 bucks. And she bought it for me. And I think that was the moment that everything happened where I had a buddy of mine that was literally a drummer. And he came over and I was just kind of playing on my drums. Mm -hmm. And him and his friend and three girls came to my window. What? And Joey was... Yeah, they came to my window and Joey was like, "Oh, you got a drum set?" And I was like, "Yeah, trying to learn, you know." And he, j- he jumps on in my my room. <laughs> they all come in my room, and he jumps on my drum set and he starts making fun of me. He's like, "You know, look at this cheap drum set. And, you know, I got a Chama t- a or whatever. Uh-uh. You know, he he knew about drums and I didn't. I just got one so." um but he ragged on me man and made me feel so fucking small kids are cruel yeah. man kids are cruel and if you that look any, anything if you look anything
0: different than quote unquote normal because i was always a husky boy and i was always the fat kid <laughs> in school you know and i had to learn yep. h- how to use my voice and how to how to uh, uh turn situations around using the gift of gab but you learned music man and that's how you got yeah. out of these situations
1: Yeah, I remember him getting up and laughing at me and all the girls were laughing and they all got out. They went out through my window and I remember watching him walk off and he was just bragging on me, just laughing. And I thought to myself, I said, one day, motherfucker, you're going to be watching me watch. And like, I don't know, maybe four years ago, four years later, five years later, he was a big fan of the band I was in. And he was coming to all the shows. Mm -hmm. And I finally told him one day, he was like, David, you're, you know, he was just giving me um, props. And um, I was telling him, thank you. But I finally told him, I said, you know, you're the reason why I learned how to play the way I do. Yeah. It was because you pissed me off. (laughs) And I wasn't going to have that. See, those so. are those
0: turning points, man, that I'm talking about. People want to hear about that kind of thing. How, what makes Big D, Big D, man? What what made you become who you are? And you got it. yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a bad situation, but you turned it into a, a positive. Four short years later, you're on stage, and he's a fan, and you're like, you did this to me. You just didn't know it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like that. Turn it around for the kids that are listening to this. They're gonna, they're gonna hear anything that that uh, has been coming their way. Any bullying that's been coming their way, you could turn it into a positive, man. Don't, don't turn it into a negative. Uh, you know. But to, did you find yourself bullying anybody else or, or, or turning anything negative? No. Or?
1: Well, actually, it never stopped. Um, okay. I winded up just being in the scene, and the way I started doing it was I just started just not paying attention to all the other drama and stuff that was going on in the music industry mm-hmm. because at one at one point we were all um brothers we all supported each other we would throw a metal fest and like i don't know 20 30 bands would be there supporting each other pulling in a good crowd of like 5000 people wow. you know and it's wow. not like that anymore things just went south and so I just started focusing on what I was doing. And I, t- I took a break for a little bit. I came back and I joined Pigweed. And um, at that time, things were kind of a little different. Um, my best friend, which uh, his name was Victor, was my um, drum tech for like 15 years. What does a drum tech do? Uh, he was the one that literally tuned my drums, cleaned my drums, set up my drums, there was a point in judgmental where i didn't even show up until 15 minutes before we went on wow um that's yeah, a good man to have in your Fully corner. set up fully cleaned he would walk me in with his flashlight walk me to my to my drum throne, and he had my two jaegers my two dorsecchi's and four waters my towel everything and uh he uh passed away probably about 10 years ago so, that was right when I joined Pig Week. And for those 15 years that he was my drum tech and helping me with Billy Mac and doing all that, um, we he pretty much lived with me. Uh, we drank every night, and um, he would get real drunk, and he would tell me the same story over and over again. And he, the story was that uh, he wished that he could be a musician that he was going to try harder. And one day he wanted to be in a band with me and, um, he was going to wear this mask and this was before Slipknot came out. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was like, I'm going to wear this mask. He had this whole theatrical thing that he wanted to do. And, um, to check the freezer because things aren't freezing inside. inside. Okay. Out. So, um, Pretty much when he passed away, um, it, it was the day before Christmas and he had come over and we exchanged some words and got into a fist fight like we always did. <laughs> and um, so that night I didn't talk to him and the next day was Christmas. Um, so then the day after Christmas, that next morning, um, I went to a job interview or something like that. I can't remember, I was doing something. And I got a phone call about 10 in the morning um, from his wife telling me that, uh, well, she was screaming that he's not waking up. So I took off. I remember jumping over this dude's office desk. I think I was doing a job interview. And I just jumped over his desk and took off. And I started telling her, Brandy, where are you at? And she told me where she was at. And she was just hysterical. Anyways, by the time I got there, he died.
0: What happened?
1: So he slipped in the Whataburger restroom and knocked himself out and slid in the corner to where it pushed his chin all the way down, and he suffocated himself. And this is where, and, where his lady was calling you from, the Whataburger? Yeah, because she, yeah, she worked there. Oh. And he went up there to visit her, and he was eating breakfast and said he was going to go to the bathroom, and his brother was with him, and he never came out. And so she went to check and couldn't get the door to open and realized somebody, he's leaning against that door. So she had them busted, like, get it open. And he wasn't breathing anymore. Dang, big So it was, uh, it was a real rough moment for me uh-huh. um, because I didn't know how to say I'm sorry. i was already gone. You know, so it fucked with me for a while. And uh, I don't remember I think it was a female friend of mine was like, you know, what you should do is, is, uh, you know, she goes, I wish his dream would have came true. Mm. And that's when I just sat there and I was like, you know what? That's how I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. Well, you do so, realize
0: that was just the last moment of his life, man. You were you had a fight the day before. All right. But but 15 years of friendship yeah. There's a whole lot more to th- that last moment. I know it's tough to say I'm sorry, yes. and I, I hate that you lost this good friend. You know, this good person that was in your life. Your confidant, yeah. your second, your guy, man.
1: Yep. Mm. So when that happened, that's where the mask came from for pigweed. Okay. I sat there for a week and just thought and thought about the conversations we had and what he would tell me about this mask. And I created this mask and I took it to Weed one day. I just joined the band. Yeah. And they'd been together for like nine months, a year or something like that. And um, I told them, I said, I want to wear this mask. And they were like, oh, well, you know, shouldn't have to hide yourself. I said, I'm not hiding myself, bro. <laughs> I said, dude, this the last thing I'm going to do is hide myself. I said, this is out of respect. And I told them what was up and they respected that. And so that's where the math came in and I was just kind of still on the back end of Pigweed and that's when Mo, the guy who put Pigweed together, he came to me and was like, hey man, you know, what do you really think of the music? And I said, well, I got a bunch of music as well. So we kind of went through some music and put a couple of songs together and the way his music was and the way I wrote blended very, very well. And that was kind of the beginning of everything. Like we pretty much scrapped all the old material, except maybe two songs, three songs and everything else we wrote together. Now, big D when Um, you
0: first joined pigweed, uh, you said you were in the background, but now you're in the front, man. How, how did that, that transition go from all the way in the back doing, I guess playing drums, maybe what, what happened to the other drummer or what happened to the other musician that was in there?
1: Well, what it was is we had a drummer and then i was doing just like some congos and some and stuff so <clears throat> we had a singer his name was fresh and we were doing fairly well it was all right um like i said i was just kind of hanging back so i wasn't putting a lot lot into what we were doing mm-hmm. um but anyways uh fresh asked me to come up to the front and help him do a deftones song so i started doing that in this in the set list that we had and then as we went on there was new songs coming and no vocals were being done Mm -hmm. so i went to mo and i was like what's up with you know fresh he said i don't know man and i said well i got some vocal ideas you know so what we did was we took my vocal ideas we started having Fresh try to sing him. And he wasn't really giving 100% in that either. Was Fresh so, a songwriter as well? No, it, he wrote one song Okay, with Mo. I was just wondering um, if it
0: was the, because he didn't write the songs, so he didn't put as much effort into it because somebody else did it. Or did he have a songwriter that he liked to work with?
1: Really what it was, was he wanted Mo, like because before I came in, Mo was writing the vocals and then just having Fresh seen it. Okay. So I think he got used to that. And just, you know, when it was time for him to actually do something, he just didn't know what to do. Okay. And at that point, I, came, I told Mo, I said, look, he's not working with my vocals either, but this is how it should sound. And I literally went into the studio and recorded the first part of Mistakes, the first verse in the beginning of the course and the guys were like holy shit bro like that sounds badass like why do we need fresh here you know it was one of those things so uh but we loved fresh and we tried to keep him in there and he just wasn't cooperating so you know he weeded himself out Okay. pretty much did
0: fresh go off and do yeah. his own thing Did he did does he is he still singing that you know of
1: <clears throat> no he's not really doing anything musically okay. from what i understand he's still very frustrated and mad at me oh um he claims that i took his spot and you know is it's it's like this man and i tell everyone this and i and people hate me for it and I don't really give a shit but it's the truth and if you can't handle the truth then you're in the wrong industry okay. but this industry is like a fucking train ride you either jump on or you jump off you know what I mean mm-hmm. either you jump on there and you put in 100% because if you don't you're going to wind up just falling off that bitch anyways That's right. I always tell everyone the weak's going to weed themselves out because eventually what happens is every musician will We've had so many musicians come into Pigweed and be like, "I'm ready to tour. I'm ready right now. Like this is the moment for me. I'm ready." Huh. And I'm like, "All right." So I throw a tour date at them. Like, "All right, so we're gonna hit the road." As soon as I do that, they're like, "Oh well, you know, what about my dog? Or what about my cousin's sister's little baby Tracy?" I'm like, All kinds of fucking excuses. My day job the in the one, way, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> for real, like and then we've had some people that were honestly taking the ride like I was honest with them and like I said look man you're not gonna know if you really really want to do this touring wise because everybody's comfortable playing at home of course you can go play at home and bite all your family and your friends and it looks like it's packed and yay you know of course you could do that all day long but when you get on the road you don't have that and that's where you really find out if you're gaining a fan base or not and you know what i'm saying like and then a lot of the new people that hit the road with us i tell them do this run with us and at the end of the run let me know if you still want to do this mm-hmm. and i've had a while probably about eight drummers walk off and just be like this ain't for me like this ain't I'm, i can't deal with doing this part I thought it was a lot different, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I don't know who lied to you Omi, me, but <laughs> yeah, touring's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's the grind. Yeah, the you know life I mean, of a musician, the real life shit.
0: You could have stayed, you know, huge in San Antonio and made some kind of a living, you know, maybe make 500 bucks a week, uh, you know, doing yep. doing corporate events or or smaller bars or what have you. But if you want to get to that next level, you got to give up family, you got to give up day jobs, you got to give up a lot of things to put effort because yep. people think, "Oh, I want to be a rock star. That looks pretty easy." No, it's work, man. And you've just told us you've been working since you were 9
1: years old to get this <laughs> (laughs) And it's still not perfect i'm sure you keep on working you know know, i i've been working so long that now some of the benefits are coming to me as far as me individually like i've Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of people doing the touring and now i fully booked the band i fully manage the band i do have manager partners that i have brought on that I've literally gone to and said, "I want you to be a partner of Pigweed and help us get to the next level." Well, I know that and you have yeah.
0: uh, D- Derek from Four Thirty Four Management. Uh, that's I, yep. I did talk to him. He's and, definitely one. And, and and you've he's been helping a lot of these bands uh, get to another yeah, level. Cool. And I'm I'm very happy to know him. He was on the podcast. But um, how did you get involved with him? That way we can, and then we'll move on from there.
1: Um, You know, what was weird was that as um, these last couple of years, I started really pushing uh, Pigweed as far as the touring and what we were doing. And, you know, we're trying to reach for the stars. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, that's never going to happen. And it's just one of those things, man. Like, you know, you got to reach for the stars, even though, you know, you probably will never touch it. You just got to keep trying, you know, it's like, that's the dream. That's something that needs to come within you. And so once we got to that point and I started booking a lot of touring and stuff, I started to just do my research. Um, I started researching people. I started just kind of reaching out to some people that I've already met and researching people that way, uh, finding the, the dirt on people and finding people, um, And then also witnessing it, being on tour with people, you know, a lot of people think, you know, eyes are not on them at all times. But when Pigweeds are out, I watch everything and I do it so I can learn from it. You know what I mean? So Derek had come across my path somewhere along the line. His name had come up. And so I researched him and came across Paul. Uh, Crosby as well at the time they were uh, partners Mm -hmm. and um, so I researched both of them and uh, you know me I I don't get starstruck like that Um, totally respect Derek and definitely respect Paul for being the musician he is and everything he's done for the music industry and he's still doing for the music industry so uh, much love to y'all guys for sure Um, but um I have a saying that I go by in pigweed, and that's, don't tell me you're pregnant, show me the baby. <laughs> I've had so many people, yes, I've had so many people tell me, oh, I could do this, I can do that. We've been on tour. I've had booking agents come up to me all across the U.S. and go, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put y'all on tour. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that, and do this and this and, this. and if and if you think I'm full of shit, then you know, walk away because I'm, I, you know, I'm a man. I do what I say and. You know, you could you could research me. Mm-hmm. You know what? I still haven't heard from those motherfuckers. <laughs>
0: Every once in a while yeah. You do get that gem I've had I've had people That have wanted To be my agent For the longest time uh, People that have Wanted to book me For different things And I've worked With a few Some some do work And they take A big cut Of uh, of the money You know Because you do Have to make a living But uh, some of them Take 10% yep. Some of them Take up to 50% uh, Of your money yep. And sometimes They take even more And for a young kid And that's what they want Is to, is to find that Young naive person That doesn't know Any better I'm glad that you're teaching people right now big d of how
1: things are how things happen in the real world continue yeah because it's 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 the real deal and i tell people that all the time man you know and and i'll be honest with you i have a lot of people in san antonio that do not like me. why (laughs) because i am just bluntly honest like this i don't want to bust anybody's bubble and not even my own Mm -hmm. but i'm just talking facts here you know i mean you can't call me and ask me you know to be put on a tour and you've never gone on a tour before but you're expecting a you know 500 guarantee mm. how is that gonna happen yeah you have no fan base you know what i mean so like and i try to be real with them and respectful and stuff and a lot of people take it the wrong way and so I have a lot of people here in San Antonio that don't like me, but anybody who knows Big D knows that I can give a frog's fat ass on who likes me and who doesn't. <laughs> the only thing I fucking pay attention to is where pigweed's going. Pigwee only. So, you know, I have people calling me and, and I help them out or whatever as much as I can. Um, but I'm not going to give you what I've worked for for 20, 30 years because in this industry, I had to go through all those years of putting in the work, going on tour, sleeping in truck stops, taking showers at truck stops, eating sandwiches out of the back of the van, Meeting these people to meet the next person, and that's how this industry works. And if you're not going to do that and get out there, that's what I call the grind. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to be able to handle the grind and actually do it, then stay at home and play some covers and make some money. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the truth, man. If you're gonna, you have to stay relevant, you can't pop up and then six disappear and six months later pop up again. If you do that, You're not gaining nothing because guess what? They already forgot who the fuck you were. Yeah, no, I mean you just so, touched yeah, on it. You, show
0: up. You, you could learn those two hundred songs, those two hundred cover songs, and be a cover band. But that's not what Pigweed wanted. That's not what Big D wanted. Nope. Big D wanted to have his own his own songs that other people will cover one of these days. You know, down the line, they're going right. to go, "Oh yeah, this is a it, you know, I'm I'm singing this song. This is an old song by Pigweed. Man, they did this back in 2021. Man, C- check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you'll be that guy that people are singing their songs oh, for years and years and centuries to come man that's the dream is you're leaving your mark on this world big d man
1: right. that's fantastic a lot of you know a lot of people are like you know it's it's hard to make it and to me it's like well that's really where you and that's really where you feel you've made it like with me just to know that I have people now across the US that want to see us play, want our music. I'm getting messages all day, every day, talking 20 to 40 messages a day. Um, I, I feel like I've already made what I want to do. Yeah. And that's touch, touch the people with the message that I put into the songs that we got. We have a song called Mistakes. Dicks. and that's a very personal song to me and um, it's pretty much about making some mistakes in your past and you realize that you know that you were wrong and there's a point in time in your life where you're going to want that forgiveness whether it's just between you and the, the lord or you and that person or you in that situation but it's going to come because everybody someday fucking grows up. And I've had so many people message me and be like, that song saved my life. That song. You know, I had a guy two weeks ago tell me that he'd been planning on killing himself for the last eight months over some choices he made. Mm. And he came across Bigly. And he came across that song and he was reaching out to me to let me know that he literally burned that diary and wants to be here now and he's learned how to accept his faults and go to the people that he hurt and ask for forgiveness
0: Big so D, the power it's it's of music crazy. man the power of music yeah. you're saving lives was that that song mistakes about one person or a group of things that you've done or you've just been a
1: group in. of stuff that I had done that, I mean, everybody's done crazy stuff. Some people have done it to the extreme. Some people haven't. But like I said, there's always that one little mistake in everybody that they wish they could go back and change. And so that's what the song was about. And um, so anyways, like with, with all these new songs that we're putting out, I've literally started putting out my message and i didn't really know what my message was for a while um i was like everybody else like Corin and all those other guys you know when we get into a band where we can actually release our emotions the first thing we do is we we want all that anger to come out so usually the first album or two are pretty heavy you know <laughs> um but as we've gone on, I'm starting to find out where I'm where I'm at and why I'm here and what message I want to deliver. And that message that I'm now de- trying to deliver in the new music that we're coming out with has a has a lot to do with um, kids with disabilities being abused, uh, bullying, cyber bullying, anything kind of like that in those teen young years that makes you feel little. I'm trying to send that message that they're not alone. And there's not one thing that someone can say, you know what, I'm better than you. You know what I mean? Because I had people tell me that forever. And you could see the reaction when we go on tour and I, we go in these venues, you know, I'm in there, I don't give a shit. I'm not there to impress anybody. I'm there for the music and the music me. So when you run into me, if you ever do, trust me, you're going to find me in shorts and chaklas, and a shirt. <laughs> and I'm just going to look all hoboed out. That's just me. I just like to be comfortable. But I've noticed every show, people are staring at me. They stare at me. They stare at me because they don't know who I am, you know, plus my disability and other things. But. I can guarantee you the second I walk off that stage and they see me pull my mask off, all of that changes. Every single one of them come up to me, and I've had people come up to me and be like, "I'm out here with a friend of mine, but my son has you know a disability, and I want him to see y'all. Like him seeing you do what you do to this crowd." would make him realize that he's no different than anybody else, you know what I mean? So that's the message that I'm trying to put out there is that they're not alone. They can do anything that anybody else can do. So I just recently found myself on what I wanna do and how I'm gonna do it. And so that's where I am with Pigweed as far as, you know, the music and everything goes. I mean, We've been through some craziness, and it took us forever to get to the point where we're at. And a lot of people are like, man, you've been together for 10 years, you know, y'all ain't going to make it. And I'm like, bro, we just got started. Yeah. Because for one, you have to find the right band members to even do this. You know, finding those people that are going to make that sacrifice to go out of town, you know, lose a little time with their families and stuff, because... They want that same goal as you do.
0: Hey, Big D, man, you've you've taken the negative and you've turned it completely around into a positive. You're becoming an advocate uh, for for the no bullying through your creativity. Turn that negative into a positive. And yeah, you're right, man. You got seven members in your band, uh, you know, to become a, a rock band. Uh, I know that the the white stripes did it with two but you need at least 3 members and to get 7 guys together that want to go on tour yeah. and take it to another level I, that takes a lot man a lot of commitment from 7 different guys oh yeah. and, and you've done it man you're doing it. it it takes and it takes a long time to become an overnight success you know people think 10 years is a yes. long time that is a short time think about uh, you know the yes. school that you did it took you 12 years to graduate school didn't it you know, and here you are at ten years. This is just another school, school of life, man. You learn learning your yeah. craft, and I think you've, you're yeah. just about perfecting it. You are coming to your shows because you were working with a lot of uh, different bands, like Power Man Five Thousand, and and all those other bands that you said that you were working with, and now you're the band that people want to work with. It's coming around, Big D, man. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm impressed I and, I, so. I, and I know a lot of other people are impressed too. I mean, just looking at the, uh, the, the Spotify, you have 761 people that listen all the time, uh, to your Spotify every month they're, they're listening for inspiration for, you know, whatever, a workout. If they're walking around the block, washing dishes, they got a little pigweed in their ear. Hey, you got a little pigweed in your ear. You, you might want to keep that, keep that in there. It sounds like a bad thing, but no, it's no. not, it's not, man. It's a good thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah for sure and you know we're we're very blessed man you know like i said i've been pushing very hard with a lot of the people that i've met throughout the years and um i've just been so blessed to i had to weed out a lot of the snakes but i think i got most of them out of my pond so you know now it's full force you know i got people like derek and you know dave um another guy dave biohazardous, that i work with um you know paul i got a lot of people that believe in us and that are willing to back us up and with all these years of me just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing um we've been blessed to be put on three festivals this year um we're doing a tour i go on tour tomorrow and i come back in i don't know two two and a half weeks well, well, don't then, don't, um, don't
0: hold out on this, man. You, for, you know, you've given some shout outs. We got a little idea of who you are. Give some shout outs to the people that have helped you along the way. And then, you know, give us the, the tour dates and where you're going to be. Where can they catch a, a pigweed show as we wind this thing down?
1: Well, you know, one thing I do want to say is I do want to tell a lot of people that has had our back and I'm so sorry if I don't get to mention you or whatever but y'all guys know who y'all are I've I've told every single one of y'all that y'all are family so um but you know definitely a big shout out to uh Derek and um uh, he's had my back since day one since I went to him and we decided to work together um you know another person is Dave Uh, he's been there since day one Um, and you know, now I'm getting to, to know Paul and, you know, Paul's a a, a terrific guy. We're getting ready to do some stuff together, you know? So, but just a lot of different people in the industry, man. Um, a lot of y'all promoters, like I said, I don't really give out my little secrets. So, (laughs) but all y'all promoters, y'all know who y'all are in Kentucky. Uh, you know, who I'm talking about y'all guys in North Carolina, you know, a lot of the bands that have been reaching out to us, Haymaker, um, Sister Kill Cycle, um, you know, we've just done some amazing things with a lot of homies of ours. Um, so, with well, that being said, well, no, man, you know. Give us, give know, us the, give uh, us the uh,
0: lineup of uh, Pigweed and what they're, what music they're playing, what what instruments they're playing as well.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, as far as the shout outs go, like a lot of people, I was literally by myself. So. I just want to give a shout out to the people that actually gave me a shot and said, Dave, you know what, bring pigweed here. And now uh, they see what we do, how we do it, and they want us back. And it's been an awesome work ethic, you know, to have that work ethic with people like that in the industry um, to actually give us a chance to do what we wanted to do. So... But you know, it took us a while to get the right band members together. I literally went three years of just going through members. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to say it, but that's what I was doing. Like, okay, this guy's good. Um, he he blends with us well. He gets along with us well. But he can't go on tour. So where does that leave us? Nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know. And the one thing about this business is, and a lot of people don't get it. And that's why a lot of people don't like me here. But this ain't called friends and friends. This is a business. It's business. It has nothing to do with friendship. I am still your homie. I'm still your buddy. I still got your back. But when it comes down to what goes on with pigweed, it's straight business. Mm-hmm. And I keep it that way. But So I started just getting members in and I slowly got my guys in there. You know, um, We got, um, well, everybody has a nickname. So <laughs> I'll just start off with. Mo, um, his um, Mauricio Otega, <laughs> uh, We call him Momo. He's uh, one of the prime, pretty much the prime writer in Pigweed besides myself. Uh, me and him write a majority of it together. And um, so there's uh, Mauricio, we call him Momo. Um, and then um, we, got, we got Chugs in the band, which is Corey Epps and that's my brother right there, <laughs> all of these guys. Uh, so anyways, uh, when I saw Chugs, it was weird because like I said, I was on the prowl. I was looking for the right band. I was tired of people telling me they were gonna do, wanted to go on tour and they weren't gonna go. You know, all they were doing was wasting my time. Mm-hmm. So I literally had through a show and Chugs Corey, had a band and his singer quit that night and he still came and played the show but his stage performance without a singer was phenomenal wow. and i remember standing there just watching him and a partner that i was working with that time a female came up to me and she was like so what do you think she was kind of looking around the venue like so what do you think and i said you see this guy right here and she was like oh yeah i know him that's that's Corey. i said he's gonna be in pigweed <laughs> she just looked at me and she was like what and i said i looked at her and i said um he's gonna be in pigweed and i just walked off so i asked him that night and he told me no and i was like that's fine and i asked him again and he was like uh so i asked him again because you know i've already told the story i don't go away if i want something i ain't going nowhere until you fucking let it happen. So, by the third, fourth time, he was like, you know what? Things are kind of going a little south. I'll come by and check it out. And he's been a brother ever since. So, same thing with Funky. Funky, I'm. Uh, that's my homeboy, Danny Young. He pretty much raised me in this music scene. He's older than I am. And when I came into the music scene uh, in with Judgmental, Funky was in a band called Uncle Funkster that was doing very well here in town. And... So, all those guys, the OGs of San Antonio, kind of raised me because I was, like I said, I was so young. I wasn't even supposed to be in the club, but they weren't carding me. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, oh, that's a drummer for judgmental. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, 16, 17, buying rounds of Jaeger, you know, it was great. Um, (laughs) So. And what was funny is that they finally carded me on my birthday and it was my twenty-first birthday. And he was, he was like, Give me, you know, let me see your ID. And I said, Man, you haven't carded me for years. Oh, I'm just fucking with you, but give me your ID. So I gave it to him. And he was like, his face just went cold. He was like, You're fucking lying to me. And I was like, no, I'm 21 today, bro. He was like, You've been coming here for four fucking years. <laughs> Uh, it was great but anyways Funky and him you know I've known him forever and uh, he's a great guy he's always he always has me laughing even when things are going south and um, he was bugging me for like two three years I thought he was joking around you know hey D let's let's jam and I'm like yeah whatever kind of and then finally one day he came up to me he goes no bro I'm serious like I want to play with you and so we brought him in, and he's been in the family ever since. And so, same thing with Thor. You know, um, we lost, like I said, we've been through a lot of drummers. Mm. Um, and when we, Corey, or Chugs, told us about Walter, okay, uh, which we call him Thor. And uh, Walter, Walter came Moreno. in. And Moreno, he's on drums. He was the only drummer that actually came in and was like literally professional about the shit. He learned everything note for note, exactly how it is on the CD. And we've had numerous drummers come in and not want to do that because they want to put their own little flavor on it. But what they didn't understand is this CD has already been out. People have already heard it. You can't change it up because it's not going to sound the same. You know, you have to sound like the album. So none of these drummers wanted to wait to the next album to put their flavor on stuff. Mm. But Walter came in and did the opposite. Totally professional. Um, so once again, there's another family member. Uh, all these guys were like, hey, I can go on tour. I put every single one of them to the test. I was throwing out little five, six day runs. Just see if they could handle it, see what they were going to do. And I'm telling you, within those three or four, maybe five, six day runs, there were fights. There were almost fist fights. Uh, we almost got jacked. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of shit. But I wanted them to see what happens out there on the real, the real road. It's not fucking champagne and everything unless you get that number one hit and they give you a couple million from the get go. You know what I mean? So I needed these guys to know that. They all went through it. They were all rough riders. And I was like, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are not gonna help me create drama. I'm looking for musicians that are gonna help me find a solution when things go south. Because if you can't work together as a family, it's pointless. Especially when you're six states away from your home Mm. with a little bit of money. And we've been in that situation before. We've had a, a promoter reach out, and I will give props to this. Nick Hoffman. Uh, that dude from the Looney. Nick so the, the is probably one of the best amplifiers I've ever. Had. that dude didn't even know who we were we were on a tour and we were scheduled there to play four days um, four days from the time that he contacted us he found out that our shows got canceled and we had nowhere to go no money no nothing and that dude took us in got us a hotel fed us for those days let us through a pre party to help sell merch so we can get home i mean he went way and beyond and he does that for every band um, before his building caught fire he even had a little um, back storage for just touring artists that was full of shampoos deodorant socks underwears hoodies I'm talking everything you need on the road, and it was free for any touring artist. That's how badass this suit is. Well, say, <laughs> say the name.
0: Say his name again and where he's from, because you cut out a little bit. Go ahead. Um, Nick, he runs the Looney Bin. Looney Bin. Out of where? And out of uh, Bradley, Illinois. Illinois. Mm-hmm. You were states away, and you could yes. have been in some kind of hazard if it wasn't for him. That's what you need. People like that all over this world.
1: Exactly. And I tell everybody who contacts me and and that are already familiar with the routing and stuff. And they're like, hey, you know, should we go through here? And I'm like, yep, you want to go through there because that's one promoter that you want to meet. Because if you're ever in a rut, he'll be there for you. Unless you fuck him over, of course, you know, but he will be there for you. He didn't even know us, bro. And he put us up for three days in a nice hotel with two two bedrooms all works Sweet. so nick much love from pigweed but anyways um so i got all the guys together and um we were in a position where uh momo had some stuff going on so he was he's very limited on some of the tours and stuff like that so that's why we have three guitar players okay uh, there's times that most, um, uh, you know, he's not able to make it and, um, we still do our thing, man. I mean, we still have a full lineup. We still do our fucking thing. So, um, well then you do have of-
0: seven members out of necessity. Have you given up the drums, uh, completely or are you the yes. front man?
1: Yes. I have literally turned into the lead vocalist with the mask.
0: Okay. I love it, man. It gives you a look. It gives yeah. you a flavor. It's a hook. You know, that, yeah. that, that will get them to come in because they want to see that guy in the mask. But then the
1: music keeps them there. Exactly. And it's it's crazy. You know, now that a lot of people are finding out the meaning behind the mask and the reason why I do things. Um, I don't know if you've seen our videos or not, but at the end of every show, I always stick my hand up to the sky And when I do that, I'm telling my boy, that there's one more show for you. Cause I promised him that I'd get him to the top. And uh, so people that know those facts about pigweed are so emotional with us when we play live. Um, It's just crazy. Um, And now that we are starting to be in demand, we're hitting cities that we've never been to and people are singing the words, um, requesting, you know, just shouting out, you know, play save me. I mean, it's just getting crazier and crazier. Um, so we're at the point now where we're like, you know, this is the real deal here. So we got to um, step up our game and make sure that we come full force like we always do. So, um, but it's definitely an honor to have people like Derek and all these people backing us up. And getting us to that next level.
0: Well, I'm looking, you know, I've looked at some of the videos. I looked at, it's not, it's not your typical show. You got lights, you got smoke, you got pyrotechnics, you got, you know, just visual, audio, then you, you, your movement, uh, you give a show. There's some guys that could just stand, well, you know, Whitney Houston with her great voice. She never danced. She stood on stage, but you, you. Bring some energy out there. You've been through your 20s. You've been through your 30s. Now you've got it down. You know what the people want. You know what the people like. You know what you like. And uh, I appreciate you, Pigweed, man. Big D, I've taken some time. We've given some shout outs. I I, I don't want this to be the last time that we talk at some point. Maybe I want the rest of the band to come on and, and, and talk as well. But you do have a tour that's starting tomorrow. Tell people about that tour and uh, how they can get a hold of tickets and and where they could find you. We already said pigweedband.com was the place to go, but tell people about the tour that's starting up.
1: Yes, definitely. Right before I mention this tour, though, um, I did want to mention that we also have Alex Canales um, as backup vocals. He came in um, and took Fresh's spot, and he backs me up vocally and he helped me with the entertainment part in the front and i'm telling you that dude is a beast and um me and uh his nickname is doughboy <laughs> me and doughboy um i i kind of uh, helped him be uh him to become our, t- our tour manager mm-hmm. in the beginning and After Fresh left, you know, Doughboy showed some interest and he had already kind of been family with the band, you know, he'd been on tour, he already was our tour manager for, I don't know, two, three tours already deep, so he was real close to everybody and it was nothing more than a perfect fit for him to come in and take that part, so uh, Doughboy is, you know, a big part of what we do as well, all of us are a big part of what we do so i said you know i want to make sure everybody knows every member that's in this band um but getting to the touring so um you know i threw a little tour in february because everybody was saying you know COVID, there's no way in hell nobody's gonna book you blah 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 and well i don't take no for an answer so i kept fucking doing what i was doing and i booked this four or five days um oklahoma ohio um illinois Indiana, and we did a little tour. Right after that tour, my phone has not stopped ringing. Um, We went from two tours this year to having six. Um, We went from two festivals to having... Actually, we have three, and I had to turn down two because we had no room to fit all this stuff in there. So this tour that we're actually starting tomorrow is is with some buddies of ours in transit and um they're a very good band they are ready to hit the road and show y'all guys what they're about and we're excited to hit the road with them and hopefully you know y'all guys will catch the flyer catch the promo vids come out to the show and show all the bands love um the tour is going to be awesome. We start here in San Antonio tomorrow at Fitzgerald's. So if your guys are here in town or around town, you all want to check it out. Fitzgerald's tomorrow night. Um, the tour is going to be kicking off. And then the day after that, I believe we're in uh, Abilene. And um, we wind up just going throughout Texas. Um, we'll be in Houston. Well, Abilene and, uh, is
0: at Homer's Bar and Music Venue.
1: Yeah. And um so we're going to be going through Texas we're going to do uh a a, Louisiana, a couple of Louisiana dates. Well 7 11 you're at means... El Paso
0: Texas at the Rock House. Yep. I'm sorry I don't have the
1: flyer No no I'm I'm, so I'm watching the promo video.
0: No, I'm watching the promo <laughs> video right now. 7 13 you're in Amarillo Texas Zombies Bar yep. and Grill and yeah just uh find your find you on social media man the the youtube yeah it, it man just it gives you a little taste all the light show and the the music and the energy you could tell man you go to pigweed oh, yeah. you go to a pigweed <laughs> show you're not going to be disappointed at all man <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so we do that run we get done um in new orleans on the 18th um and then we come back and we go to colleen and do a awesome show with some awesome friends of mine from back in the day uh a band called critic kill um those guys are amazing please go check them out they are doing a return show they've been on hiatus for a little bit um but they came back and did the saliva show with us last year and they're doing their return show um and um, i believe it's july 23rd or 4th um and it's in Colleen, So you can find all those dates on our Facebook, our webpage, mm-hmm. um, our Instagram, Twitter. We have all those flyers up there. Well, that says a lot um, about you, Big D, is,
0: is not only promoting pigweed, but you also promote the bands that have helped you along the way. And you're promoting other artists that might be on a different level as well, man, helping to bring people up. That's what we need to be doing exactly. in this world, helping each other out, man. Yep, yeah,
1: yeah. And then, um, so then we get to play a hometown show July 31st, which is, we're very excited. Um, we're playing with some homeboys of ours from Houston. And, um, then we get ready for the big tour that we just announced. It's, I believe it's like three, three and a half weeks long. Um, we wind up going to Kentucky. Um, we just added another Ohio date and then we wind up at Meadow of the Mountains on August 28th. Wow. Um, And then we're in North Carolina on the first. And then on the third, we're in Pennsylvania. And then on the fourth, we're back in Ohio at the electric company in Mansfield. Um, And then we go back to North Carolina on September 5th. Um, We're playing in Greensboro at the Blind Tiger. That show, you want to get tickets. They're going fast. Um, They're thinking that show is going to sell out. So, y'all guys, grab your tickets for that one. It's going to be amazing. Our first time there, we're headlining. We're so excited that the ticket sales are going crazy. Um, September 6th, um, we'll be in Tampa, Florida at the Brass Mug with Sister Kill Cycle. And then uh, the 8th, we go back to South Carolina. And then from there, we go up to uh, the Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Dang, Um, kids! Yeah, and then from the Blue Ridge Rock Festival, we play there on September 11th. Um, From there, we haul butt home because we have a couple of home dates. And then we have a big show with the Covalescents here in San Antonio on the 22nd at the Paper Tiger, um, which is going to probably sell out as well. So get your tickets for that one. Um, and then we the day after, we get back in the van and fly right back up to uh, Orlando, Florida to play Rebel Rock with Machine Gun Kelly and Limp Bizkit Wow. and uh, all those guys. So, yeah, and there's still more dates after that. But, you know, we'll start announcing those as we get closer to it. But we have another tour in October, so we will be up in the north, northeast and the Florida area so look out for that announcement um, but yeah we got a lot of stuff going on um, next year is already being booked and planned out can be a little bit more structured so the band can have a little bit more family time and it be not so much jump up and go because right. this year we knew we had to do that because of the offers and stuff that was going on so at, you at know, one point it'd be like no nah, guys we're good until you know June and then it's like oh never mind we're going on tour for two weeks, you know, in May. <laughs> so pack your stuff in four days. You know, it was like, fuck, man. So this coming year, we don't want to do that.
0: Yeah, sometimes um, it's hard to I say, say no, man, especially after the last year we had. But uh, you're telling people, you're, you're telling the kids, if you want to be a, a rock star, you got to work. And you are working, yep. man. You're willing to work. You, you're working so much. People are calling you. You have to turn stuff down. That's got to feel good, yep. man.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was real good. So, uh, All right, bro. We're excited about the festivals and stuff, man, and, and we're looking forward to it. In and off the year proper, so Big D, I've had a
0: pleasure chit-chatting with you, man. Talking to you a little bit about about who you are and how you became uh, who you are right now, a member of of Pigweed, and you actually are a member of Pigweed, a a, a member of the family. You call yourselves that, be- and you fight like a family. You you already mentioned that, uh, but and you know yeah. through those struggles, creativity comes and and the Pigweed sound uh, gets uh, formulated and refined. And it becomes what people get to hear in their ears as they're doing their things, man. All right, I do want to talk exactly. to you again as time progresses. Uh, maybe a f- few months down the line, you got more things to to talk about. If some of the other members of the band want to come on and chit chat as well, I, I, it's an open invitation uh, on the What Makes You awesome, Famous man. podcast. I appreciate you so much, and and but um, yes, you know, unless there's any other avenues you want to explore, right now we'll do last words for the
1: people. Oh, the only thing I got to say to the people, man, is you know, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being there for us. I mean, y'all guys have really reached out from all over the world. I mean, Amsterdam, uh, Japan, um, and a lot of the U.S. Um, a lot of the people that have been messaging us, yes, we are coming West Coast. Um, just not abandon, continue showing that love, not just for us, but for everyone. You know, and I say this at our shows, um, us as musicians, we do this for two reasons, man. And the one is you know, we do it because we're musicians and we love it. And it gives us that emotional support. And the other reason is so, all oh, y'all crazy motherfuckers out there have somewhere to go and release all those demons. And and so that's why we work so hard, man. So keep supporting everybody. Support every band as possible. Even if they're not your cup of tea, don't disrespect them. Don't down them. And, I'll, uh, you know, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it loud. And don't be downing people that are actually moving up in the industry. We're all working hard. And it just so happened that they were at the right time, at the right place at the right time. But that's no reason for you to cut on them and talk shit about them. You know, you should support them, be there for them, because they might be able to help your band as well. So with that being said, man, you know, we just, we just want to say we love all y'all guys and we'll see y'all guys soon. Trust me.
0: there you have it party people big d from pigweed david okay i think if you've watched the video version of this you could see his name find him on facebook instagram twitter and you know add him to your spotify pigweed fantastic hard rocking just gonna keep your energy up when you want to when you have had a, a hard week or even a hard day you put that in your ears and you just let all your frustrations out listen to some of that good music and listen to the words man it could be inspirational saving lives with pigweed that is a fantastic story when a creator can create something that saves lives man that inspires people to do other things to do to do the things they want to do you know maybe the pigweed will expire, inspire someone to be a rock star but maybe you'll inspire them to do whatever they want to do in their walks of life, man. And it takes a long time to be an overnight success. The Big D just gave you a little bit of his story of how he became the drummer and ultimately the front man of Pigweed. So uh, yeah, check them out, man. Exciting, great stories, great knowledge. Thanks for imparting those stories. Uh, And I know, man, that, that, that heartfelt story about your friend who was... Not only your your drum tech tech, you, he was a friend, a brother, and uh, I'm sad that you lost him. But through him, you got inspiration to do other things, man. That's what you do as a creator. Uh, you you never know where your muse is going to come from. So uh, yeah, be nice to people <laughs> unless they're unless they're total you know not nice to you <laughs> for lack of better words. All right, party people. Thank you so much, Big D from Pigweed, for being on the program, the What Makes You Famous podcast. Now, if you, yes, you, would like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for me. It's Keys Dan, radiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the
1: music you want. Hey guys, this is Shelly G with a fast fact. India is the world's largest democracy with more than 700 million registered voters. Do you have a fast fact? Share it with us at Interactive Radio, Radio RadioWhat.com.
0: If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag WhatMakesYouFamous. Follow on Facebook at what makes you famous follow on instagram at what makes you famous follow on twitter at makes famous and follow on youtube at keys dan leave what makes you famous podcast to review and subscribe listen to what makes you famous podcast on podbean itunes youtube stitcher google podcast and spotify and almost anywhere you find podcasts tell your story On my podcast, What Makes You Famous, call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash KeysDan. Email info at radiowhat.com. What What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of KeysDan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. This is Keys Dan.
1: And this is Shelly G.
0: And you're listening to RadioWhat.com.